Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay Ray, navigating the ever-expanding service management maze. This week's guest on the Enterprise Digital Podcast is Mark Temple from Glasgow University, where he's the Service Delivery Manager for Enterprise Service Management and has led a, a large project to implement ESM across the organization. Well, hello and welcome. It's episode five of the Enterprise Digital Podcast. Um, delighted to be here again. And Ian Aitchison is, is still here. How are you doing, Ian? I'm still here, Barclay. Hello, greetings. Great to be once again recording the Enterprise Digital Podcast. In a, in a minute, we'll, we'll introduce our guest. We, we have guest today. We, we launched last week. We've had lots of good feedback. We're now on every platform known to um, the human race. You can hear us everywhere in the world and we've also got a fantastic uh, amount of feedback in terms of guests lined up over the next well right. y- years really I suppose if, yeah. if, if you roll it out so uh, Ian what's uh, well let's just start off with what's been happening in your world in the last few days and, and what's been um, titillating you and let's start with something light-hearted but kind of coincidental this week I don't know if people noticed there was um, a little thing making the rounds on social media an organization called reviews.org has uh, offered $2,400, so what's that, 1,800 pounds, something like that, for um, individuals to spend 24 hours without screens. So digital detox, they call it, no screens, 24 hours. And at first, well, I, I saw that, it appeared in my LinkedIn feed and I kind of chuckled, um, but then it really caught my eye because I did this. I did this about a month ago. And actually, I'm going to be publishing a little blog on this shortly. But I did the 24-hour, and uh, at first I thought, this is nothing. Actually, it's different and surprisingly difficult these days to get up in the morning and go through a whole day all the way through to going to bed without seeing or touching some form of screen that dominates our lives. Obviously, this podcast, we talk a lot about the relationship between people and technology. On a personal level, try spending a day without the technology. Well, I, I, I mean, I think it, it's one of those things where you say, oh, yeah, I'm sure I could do that. It'd be easy. But actually, you'd be thinking, well, I'll just have a wee fly look down here and, and see what, what, what's come in. Um, yeah. I, one thing I have noticed of late is that I actually enjoy more analog type experiences uh, that more than I thought I would have you know the the, the unexpected um, pleasure of just getting a phone call from somebody or, or <laughs> phone it, you know and not having to set up a zoom or, or a teams and actually just talking to somebody on the phone or meeting them you know on, on my many dog walks mm-hmm. in the park and actually yeah. be, you know socially distanced of course but just being able to have a conversation at a yeah, kind of human level becoming rarer aren't they these these interactions at, a, at an analog level because think just things like reading a book I read a lot but it's all on a kindle that's what I now do so I found myself going back to paper books for the first time in a long time which was only because of that that little exercise anyway yeah. we could go on for hours I think it's yeah, fascinating but, uh, well, if anybody's well, interested we, you we could put yourself up for it two thousand four hundred dollars uh, absolutely why not and um, you know spend that money on you know a new phone or whatever or a new pc <laughs> quite a lot of um, M&A activity or, or sales activity. I think we had the final confirmation that of the Avanti takeover of Sharewell. 
um, and also um, a, a new one that popped out, which was the acquisition of Axios Systems by a company called IFS, who I think are a field service management uh, organization, so software and, and services. Um, Axios, I obviously know well. I, I worked there for several years, um, know the company and the people. And um, I, th I think probably it's, you know, they're a really well run organization, but they have tended to be, you know, just themselves and actually get tying up with another organization, looking at their go-to-market and so on. I, I, I'm sure will will be will be interesting. I wish them well with all of that. Certainly, both of those things play to the um, ESM discussion and agenda that we that we're going to talk about. I think there's also been the ITSMF International Conference this week. I wasn't involved in that, but. Um, I believe had quite good attendance and so on. Um, let's let's move on to um, introduce our guest for, for today. He, he's he's somebody that we, we we know well, and I'm sure the community knows well. Uh, but as a real life practitioner of enterprise service management, Mark Temple. Hello, Mark. How are you? Very well, thanks, Parkway. Yourself? Oh, terrible, terrible. Um, good. But um, we we both Ian and I have. have engaged with you over the over the last few years and, and particularly in your um, enterprise service management journey with um, you know tool implementations and, and workshops and, and various things like that so we're going to talk about that in in detail um, before we do how, how did you end up doing this what, what got you into IT and service management in the first place and um, just as a kind of cautionary tale for anybody else that wants to well, I've started out life as a motor mechanic, so yeah, it's been a bit of a bit of a journey over the years. Um, so, like like many people, you know, my career path has has done a one eighty at some point, and all downhill from there. Uh, Did you just go to the wrong class one day, or, or what? Pretty much, pretty much. You know, I mean, I, I served my apprenticeship as a motor mechanic. I worked in the university as a motor mechanic, but. It, I was doing a, a degree at night school, um, eventually graduated from that and got a, a part-time shift into to IT. I was working two days a week, still with my overalls on in the garage, and three days a week and to go and wash my face and clean my, my ears uh, and smarten myself up. And, and I've just I've worked through desk side support into managing service desk training and a bit of the... the the back end of the, the systems. So somebody called the service desk, you could fix their IT problem or you could fix their car as well. Brilliant. It's, it's a blessing and, and a curse. And Mark, was that a deliberate move to IT? I mean, did you say, this is what I want to do, I want to change my career trajectory? Uh, or is it something that just kind of happened and you looked around and said, wow, I'm I'm here. How did that happen? Yeah, it was. Uh, and my, my degree is um, HR is human resource management and IT, you know, so it wasn't even the, the major wasn't on the, on the IT side of it. Um, so it has been a bit of a, a just a, a coincidence, uh, you know, happenstance that I've, I've ended up here, um, but no, no going back now. Yeah, you've done it now. Thank you for that. That's our, our guest, Mark Temple from Glasgow University, um, and we'll be talking about the enterprise service management journey.
Right. So this, this is our, our, our main topic area, and, and we really want to kind of home in on, on the, the real experience that, um, that Mark's had in the last, what, three, four years of, of really making enterprise service management work and, and consciously starting from that position, if I remember um, from some of the workshops, you, you, were, you did set out to, to, to do that and, and to try and pull the various departments of the university together rather than it just being, oh, well, we're doing this in IT and then we'll see how it goes. Is, is that a fair comment as, as a kind of starting point, would you say? Very much so, Bartley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, don't look at this just as a, a technology refresh um, this is an opportunity to really change, you know, how we how we operate, how we provide services, how we provide support. So yeah, very very much a a conscious uh, direction. From the from the kind of governance and the overall organ, we're always talking about, you know, what 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 are organisations and businesses trying to do these days, and then we should be tied up to that. And the other thing I know about. Glasgow University um, in the last few years is that it has been investing a huge amount of of money in you know rebuilding the the campus, reaching out to you know new territories and so on, and, and you know really trying to up the game of of the university as a whole. So this actually kind of fitted well with that as a sort of unifying approach, and and that to me from the outside that, that that's a great kind of story in saying well the organization wants to do something this is a way of actually supporting it across you know all the kind of supporting back office type teams um was that i mean was that presumably that was a positive force for you or was it actually a challenge as well in terms of getting funding and and you know just support across the organization i think the the looking at it across the organization helped very much with the funding rather than this is IT doing something in, in isolation. You know, the, the we knew that we wanted to change the way that we, we provided support and the expanding campus was going to require us to, to change the way that we provided support. So it was, again, very much an opportunity to, to take stock of, of what we were doing and Look where the gaps would be and and where we wanted to be with the you know say support for the, the new campus, and it I think one of the best things to come out of that though is is when you again you focus on commonalities between different areas rather than how they've all done things differently in the in the past, um, and and that I think was that's at the front of the journey and that's you know where we still need to you know to keep going with it. Can I, can I ask you on that, Mark? Did you pitch this to the organization as every business unit can take control and mastery of its delivery of service and value or did you position it more as almost the shared services idea everything comes into one place and then gets distributed out it was i think a kind of a mix and match there there was no we weren't too prescriptive in fact, we weren't prescriptive at all i mean the, the, there was there is the opportunity for people where it makes sense to, to you know, work together, work more closely. Um, we have areas that need to be their own islands, our data protection office, our crisis support, campus security. You know, they need to be watertight compartments from a data point of view. And you know, it's a good phrase, watertight compartment. Yeah. But they do also need. You know, there are times when they they will cross boundaries and to still be able to to do that with you know with a let the water flow in, in some cases that's a great analogy uh, what can you tell us how many departments you have dancing to the same song now well just over 300 teams 
Um, so now that's across our residences, campus security, HR, finance, IT, student support. I could go on and on and on. You know, the, the, it's multifaceted uh, across all the, the, the functions. Yeah, yeah. And did you start with a subset at the beginning? Did you say, okay, we're going to get together with these guys and these guys and these guys and we'll be phase one of this new way of working? Or, or was it more a case of, hey, everybody, we're all taking this, this step at the same time? It was a bit of a big bang um, to start off with because of, again, going back to the where you have people like campus security, et cetera, who are, are quite self-contained. It was okay, we're, okay we, we don't need to take you over on day one. Um, but there's a lot of linkage between the IT service desk, the library customer services, the student support uh, inquiry team. So you can't move one without the other because they are they are in contact on a daily basis. Um, student support then talking to mm -hmm. student finance, etc., to a registry. So it was a it was a very big bang on on, on day one, and and we've just you know. We progressed from there to to bring in um, the other other business units as as time and you know as as their readiness uh, allowed us. Certainly, I got in, involved just in a very minor way, but just doing some workshops at, right at the start. And the amount of different you know you usually do that thing stick up on the wall. What do we do? What's our services? How can we map them out and so on? And it was I don't think I've ever needed so many post-it notes in my life <laughs> it was absolutely massive um and you know I, I i was very impressed with just the the number of different people that were interested you know obviously at different levels or, or levels of awareness of what was put but who were bought in from quite early on i mean there's obviously more that you had to kind of bend their arm and you know threaten them and so on but you know the critical mass that that was there at the start was I think was was really helpful. Must have been helpful from, from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, always deal with the the volunteers first, and then then mm -hmm. you know we'll come along to the conscripts thereafter. Has has been my view with it. You know, where where you've got a good number of of teams who who want to make this work, you'll then have others who are a bit sceptical and would rather just hang on to their their shared mailbox and, and keep doing. You know, business the way they've been doing it, and then you've you'll have the, the outright um, people who just don't want to join the party. Do, do you have prisoners? I mean, if, if you've got, the, <laughs> <laughs> is there a room somewhere where there's people just locked in there that you know who haven't participated? In... There was a recent amnesty, so <laughs> all right, okay, the room's empty. So from the point of 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 providing, you know, a few points. I mean, I, you have presented on on various platforms um, which I've shared with you and, and seen you on as well in, in terms of the vendor and ITSMF and SDI and so on I know that but I mean just from the point of view of what what you would say to anybody that was starting to think about doing ESM you know trying to extend the reach of what they're doing and maybe get people to buy in what what, what did you do what, what was the what were the key things that really made it work for you in terms of getting people on board come on to the prisoners in a minute but you know just yeah again i'll go back to the the focusing on what works well in one area and is transferable to other areas and and that i don't think the 
example I've used in the past was our, our head of campus security. Um, I'd said, to him, well, you guys must have to record, you know, incidents and crimes and lost and found property. And it's all, and you need to manage that through a life cycle. You need to know who's doing it. You need to know what's, you know, what's coming up around the, the corner. You need to be able to, to look back, um, trend what, what has happened, report against it. So, well, that's the exact same thing as we do. You know, we, we need to know who's requested it or reported it, where it is in its life cycle, who's dealing with it, et cetera, et cetera. So this works for us. We've been doing this for, you know, 20 years. Come and see what, you know, what this can do for you. And then it's, you know, you, you see the, the lights going on and folks saying, do you know what? Yep, that makes perfect sense to me. You know, dashboards, I think, are the, you know, we have, we have switched off every single report, live report within the system, or emailed report within the system, and we work with dashboards that people can set timelines against, and they, they just have live reporting against it. So, you know, and then the fact everyone's, as Ian would say, everyone's got a, a screen attached to them all of the time. You know, they can, they're at a meeting, they need to know something, they've got that information right there in, in front of them. Yeah, and that's really interesting you talk about dashboards and reporting. In an earlier episode, Barclay, you and I, we talked about a common measurement model across an organisation, whether there is a set of useful base metrics that can apply almost to any business function. Do, do you see that? Are there certain things that are relevant that every part of the organisation is measuring that they were not able to measure before? We looked at our... The, the support model between our IT service desk, library, customer services, student support, um, inquiry team. So they have agreed, and this is slightly off tangent, but they did a lot of signposting. Sorry, we don't we don't know the answer to that question. You need to go see those people up the hill. No, we don't know the answer to that. You need to go and see the people in the next building. They agreed to to train to a baseline in each other's work. So there would be less signposting, and that obviously that brings in the use of a, a you're dead in the water without a common knowledge base. You can't do it without it. Um, so they all, you know, they were getting on the bus with that. That you know, we won't, we will attempt to answer something. We will, if at worst case scenario, we're using the same system as the people up the road. So if we need to refer you on, we can at least log that and and you know capture what we need to. And and that includes um, presumably self service for every function as well. Is that right? So every every business unit or function or department has some form of presence in your self service interfaces, so that the the rest of the university can find them and get service from them in some way. Yes. Yep. That's... Okay. Okay. Good. So this is that thing we were talking about, Barclay, about the core of starting ESM, and I've got this kind of belief, you've mentioned it already, Mark, knowledge, self-service, these things may not necessarily always come first within an IT operation, but I think they're much more important when you go into a wider ESM view. I think you need knowledge, you need self-service right from the little primary building blocks to make it work. Do you, do you see that? Do you think that's right? Yeah, I mean, the we would be nowhere without it. And again, that was part of the... Um, the, the ethos, if I can and call it that, that 
the university is is a massive organisation, a big big machine. Our website has somewhere in the region of sixty odd thousand pages. You know, people need to know who provides a service to consume that service or report something about it. So, bring all that together in one portal, so that the end user doesn't. Know. Why should a student need to know that? Registry is under student service, which is, is under university services sort of idea. You know, they, they know what they want to do or you know what they what they've got a problem with, um, but they, they shouldn't need to know how the the business is is structured. So this is the real kind of emancipation realization of the student experience properly being addressed from outside in. Yeah, actually looking at it and say, well. We know that they know what they want to do, and we're not going to try and inflict our incredibly Hogwarts-type view of of how that works behind the scenes on them. Let's make it let's make it easier. Is that? Yep. I mean, is, is is there an understanding of that in, in within the university and and maybe at the higher levels that that actually the student experience has been delivered or or supported through this? Yes. Yep. I mean, it, it's. The ESM project was supported from a very, well, from the highest level within the, the university, um, and that was always the, it was part of the, the deliverable for it that you know it would make the improvements and and that people wouldn't have to, to know you know see who. Who provided the service? How the university was structured, etc. Um, uh, it's a really big point. I just want to turn it around the other way for a second. Do you, do you think you would have been able to do? I mean, you obviously wouldn't be able to do as much as, as you have with, without that executive support and drive. But I mean, do you think you would have got stuck at the first hurdle if, if you hadn't? I mean, because the message there is you, it needs to be considered from the top down. It needs to be considered as a long-term strategy and then laid out, and it's still difficult, but actually you can do it, and, and with the executive support leadership, great. How much has that really helped you to get it done? It's, I mean, it, from a personal level, it puts a lot more pressure on, on the person responsible for it, i.e. me, um, because you're, you know, you're under scrutiny at the, at the, the highest level. Mm. So, you know, you, you never want to go to to any unit that, that isn't really up for joining the party and say, well, you know, the folk at the top say you need to do it. Um, so it, it's helpful, but at the same time, you, it's a, let's say, a chip you don't want to cash in at, at times. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want this to to be seen for the value that it's delivering rather than, you know, that it's being inflicted on anyone or the party line says you need to do this. Um so, so, and and that's quite a big ask. And you know, obviously, if you know, if a, if the university was a bank, you know, the, there would be very strict. We do it this way. We do it one way. Um, whereas, within anyone who's worked in, in higher education, will will know that the um, there's a lot of autonomy. Let's say, um, and there's a lot of people. If they don't want to join your party, there's no, you know, they aren't forced to join your your party. So. That, that, a variety of different types of cats to be herded, not just herding. Yeah, many of them. Every 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 flavour, uh, colour of fur or whatever. Yes, we 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 have them. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it's just it is it's very important to have the support and to be able to rely on the support, but at the same time, and, and the, the the financial backing doesn't come without that that support. But 
you need to make it work. You know, the what's in it for me for the yeah. the people providing the services or the people consuming the services. Can I just ask one quick question to go back, just to clarify what you said a few minutes ago, which I thought was really it. When you said you got a lot of the departments to train across a minimum level of knowledge for other teams, that, that's really, really big. Can you just clarify that again? Just, just exactly what happened there. Yeah, so it's what we call, we call it the baseline. Um, but the, the initiative is, is what we call reach out. Um, so a, a brand to it, and I, and I won't take credit for, uh, for, for dreaming that one, that part of it up. But it's, it was looking at this, the, the signposting that we, we did so much um, and the fact that the, we, we needed to become closer as, as service providers rather than, you know, and even the, the beauty of this, we're even in different directorates, but we, we sort of, we all come together under a, a, a common structure. So, yeah, the, the, the sensible thing there was look at the top 5, 10, 15, 20 things that people come and ask for and, and just, you know, the knowledge base gives you a, a grounding in that and and we mystery shop against each other to send students round to the IT help desk and ask them about something student support related and that has reinforced that, that the message, you know, the, the staff are doing it, they're not sort of uh, you know, we're, we're not making this this boast that it happens, and, and in reality, it doesn't. So, yeah. I, I have maybe a couple of. I know we're running tight on time now, but I got just a couple I wanted to throw in, Mark. Hot tips. Somebody else starting your journey at an earlier stage in that journey. What, if you can give them any wise tips, what do you think would be the best advice or hints you could give? I, I think I still go back to the. You focus on the areas that you that are willing to to make this work, and where there is a lot of connectivity. You know, um, I suppose you could you could just as easily look at it in the opposite way around and focus on people who have no linkage whatsoever. Get all of them working, and then then start sort of joining the the dots between them. Um, but in our case, we didn't have the, the luxury of that, so it was say so focus on. The, the areas, um, you know, where where people work together, where, where there's, you know, say there's connection across the, the organisation and they're a good fit. I mean, that, uh, some of that comes down to the technology you may be using. Others, you know, the, the processes are, are going to take a lot longer to to, to bring to fruition. Um, so it's it's just, you know, you're not going to get the, the payback as early as you, you would like to be able to then demonstrate to other areas. Yeah, so, so find your successes, target your easier successes. It's, it's, many yeah. projects, right? This I means it's a fairly common model. Don't build yourself a massive mountain to climb. Build yourself a small mountain so you can show success relatively early on because that gives you the investment minds and hearts for your slightly bigger next mountain. I also think that um, Mark's maybe playing down his, his part in that a little bit because um, one thing that struck me when, when I was briefly involved you know, with workshops was that Mark had already done a huge amount of work in terms of bringing people together and getting them interested and on board. Um, I don't know whether you'd be using a stick or, or 
coercion or or bribery or whatever it was but i mean it, it was very positive so the, the power of good relationship management and and getting people involved and on board huge you know because and it was it was an, an open door um to be pushed through a lot of the stuff um that we did and and from my experience is it's not always simple you know you you can be you can be grinding away on the first morning thinking we're never going to get anywhere with this which is which was not my experience so i mean i, th- I think i think i mean as a sort of focal point you, you certainly have done a lot to make it work by bringing people together that, that that's certainly my ob- was certainly my observation um that's good. you might you might disagree mark you might think no it's nothing to do with you at all yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, say that it's been my my job for a for a long time to to bring people t- together, um, and, and this was a great opportunity uh, to do that. I mean, just return to your question, Ian. On, I mean, one of the things I, I did say to to every unit was that you know focus on the top five, ten, fifteen, twenty things that people ask you about, yeah. that people ask you for, or that people report as as not working. So. You know, the, the what people ask you about, that's their great away straight away we've got great knowledge articles that could be could be written there. You know, what are people reporting is not working, we've got our you know, our view of, of incident and then you know, what are people asking you for? Uh, and and we've got our catalogue building up on you know our, our service requests. Um so that that I think is a is a good starting place for anyone. And it's the again reinforcing on the knowledge side of things. Well, you spend ten minutes writing this knowledge article, a thousand people read it, they've getting the the answer when they need it, rather than having to phone you up, etc. Yeah. So it, it just makes it makes so much sense. But just finally, Mark, just just one, you know, I mean, what what would be the kind of if if this was going to the you know to an external organisation? the press or your your chancellor was going to stand up and say this is what we've got out of doing what's the kind of value that's that's come from this so far at, you know really at the kind of organizational level would you say yeah from, from the customer point of view as we've already said you know don't make me think you know i don't need to know how your your place is um is structured to be able to get the answer or request what i want or do what i you know yep. get the outcome that i, that I need from a, a service provision point of view, it has brought areas, you know, disparate areas together. You know, they, they're working, there's much more transparency as well, I think, within teams. You know, you've not got, this is either locked in my top drawer, in my personal mailbox, or in between my ears. Um, all of my team know what's happening, we can share, we can share across teams. So I think there's a much, how to put it, a collegiate uh, atmosphere or, or, you know, environment has been created by doing this, you know, that, because it's not just technology. This is, you know, I, I see very much the enterprise service management, what it brings over anything digital tech is that it's real people working together to, to improve the service that they deliver. Yeah, that's great. I, I have a final question and this really sort of wraps up from, from my side of things, and I'd like to do this uh, every time we have a guest on. We have millions of listeners all over the world who says it's exaggerating wildly. They all work often very tough jobs. It gets to the end of the week. They'd like some advice on what tipple, what drink, 
would be recommended by an enterprise digital podcast guest? What would be your recommendation? Doesn't have to contain alcohol, of course, but uh, what would be your recommendation? A drink. My my favourite tipple, I would say, is a is a Negroni. Uh, not not on a daily basis. My desert island drink, I suppose. Perfect. That's what we need. I've I've, I've no I've seen you drinking other things. Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. Okay, Mark, thank you very much. Some brilliant stuff there. It's a really good um, insight into making it work and and some really nice little um, bits of learning for everybody else there. Thank you. Thanks for for having me, as they say. Don't get ideas. Right, well, we know what, what they drink in Glasgow. I, actually, they, from my experience, it was usually something a, a lot less refined than that, but uh, we'll, we'll leave that one there. Um, great stuff from Mark today, and, and looking forward, um, our next guest is interesting we're talking about knowledge management our next guest is april allen the knowledge bird i'd say the sage of the industry about knowledge management so it's perfect um segue uh, looking forward to that ian yeah absolutely um this might have been the scottish episode uh with you two and your, don't, don't your mention accents. it <laughs> but uh, <laughs> don't mention the scottish episode so i'm looking forward to a bit of antipodean input from april uh, next week that'll be great yeah, April's great. She also was co-author on the CDS book, um, recently Idle 4 book, and she writes some brilliant stuff, really nice, clear, simple writing, really gets to the point, um, and she's got a very good um, sense of what knowledge management is and what it can or could be, not just at the IT level, but the organizational level. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Mark um, for joining. We hope to see you again sometime soon, with maybe with an update saying how how it's even got better, or maybe how it's all fallen around your ears. I hope I hope not, but hopefully in, in due course we'll have a further update, maybe on the the, the value or, or further value that's been achieved. So um, thank you for that. This was great. Thanks, Mark. Bye, everybody. Bye.